First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, I shall begin. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord is so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as to others, but let us watch and be sober. Last two verses, together please. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Amen. May God bless us again in the public reading of His most holy and sacred word. As usual, when you come across the phrase, the coming of the day of the Lord, you have to establish whether it is a reference to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ for the church, which is the first resurrection or the rapture, or is it a reference to the return of Jesus Christ with the church where he would descend all the way onto the earth at what the Bible described as the Battle of Armageddon. And based upon the chapter of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you will notice that it is a definite reference to the first resurrection that is found in verse 16 and then the, the rapture described for us in verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So when you look at these eight verses of chapter 5, please bear in mind that the reference is believers will be caught up suddenly. Remember what we studied in the first message of Matthew 25, Matthew 24 and 25. Two women will be grinding. One will be taken, another left behind. The one left behind is, of course, the unbeliever. And this is the context of the purpose in watching. Now, we know how important purpose is. When your purpose is wrong, when you do not have a purpose in life, you become aimless. And when your purpose is wrong, it can ruin your life. A Purpose-Driven Church was a book written by a very well-known and evangelical pastor, one of the top sellers, A Purpose-Driven Church, Purpose. One of my classmates in architecture, when I spoke with him, he shared with me that since he was a young boy, he already knew that he would be an architect. He loved to draw and he can draw very, very well very tedious, very patient. And so he said, since I was a child because of this purpose, he made sure that he went for art school. 
from primary school to secondary school to junior college and uh, all these many years of studies, he was gearing himself toward one purpose, to get into the school of architecture in NUS. And that's what he did. He succeeded. And then upon graduation, he planned his life and his purpose was to get his first HDB flat and according to the ruling, after five years, you can sell it, of course, at a very, very handsome profit because we are sold, the, you, the HDB flat was sold to us by HDB at a very, very good discount. And so with a five-figure profit, his plan was to use it to renovate the condominium that he planned to buy. And now, of course, he's living in a landed property. Purpose. From the day he was a young boy, he purposed his life in one particular direction, hoping to accomplish it, and he succeeded. Mundane activities can change and turn into something that is joyful if you were to give it a good purpose. For example, a young girl was watching her mother washing dishes and thinking of the many, many, many times she did them along with all the housework. She asked, Mom, don't you ever get tired of washing dishes? And I'm sure many mothers would be able to identify what this young girl asked her mother. And then the mother replied, I'm not doing dishes. I'm building a home. It completely changed her attitude toward so-called mundane, very, very repeatable experiences. You and I know that washing dishes is not something that you can say, all right, this is it. Every time you have a meal, you use dishes. Unless you are very, very rich and you use all disposable, then you don't wash. I know some homes, they taboo disposable dishes. They only use very nice dishes, plates, cups, saucers, everything. That's their practice. And so you have a lot of dishes to wash. But when you see it as, I'm building a home, how come? Because mom will cook and take care of family and children. And she knows that if I were to cook meal after meal after meal, I will have to serve them using dishes. And they will have to eat from dishes. There will be all kinds of utensils. And then she will have to wash, vacuum, mop, clean, everything. The moment you just see them on its own, these individual activities, it can be definitely a chore because it is really a chore. That's why they are called, have you completed your chores, right? But from the, this mother's perspective, I'm building a home. I'm feeding my family. So what is the issue about washing dishes? It's fine. I'm cleaning the home for my family. Everything that I'm doing, washing, ironing, family. And so she understood her purpose of a homemaker as a stay-home mother was to build a home. And so her entire attitude toward mundane chores changed. She taught the daughter, 
a very important life lesson. And so this is put in one of the illustrations for us as well to learn. The purpose of watching. I hope you have understood and accepted the manner of watching to protect yourself so that you can be of use by God to help others. Do not end up being bitter. Do not become a casualty. What you do will put you in the devil's bullseye, as they say, a target. If you do nothing for the Lord, the devil will be pleased. The devil will just simply ignore you and leave you alone. You're not doing anything. What will he try to stop you? But if you are earnestly contending for the faith once delivered unto the saints, bear in mind that it is always a spiritual battle. And the devil will attack you and sometimes from multi-pronged directions. You may find problems at home, problems at work and problems in church all at the same time. And you'll be overwhelmed. But always bear in mind your Heavenly Father will never allow you to be tempted above that which you are able to bear. He knows your faith because He's faithful. And with every temptation, He will make sure that there is a way of escape so that you'll be able to bear it. This is a very reassuring promise from our Saviour as we watch. But then to persevere, that the Lord needs to help us too. If you came to know Christ at the age of 20, and you live three score years and ten, you have 50 years, just imagine, 50 years of persevering. That's a long time. Don't you agree? 50 years of persevering. Year after year, day after day. The thought of it, I think, would make many of us want to give up. Imagine, you finish today, another day, another day, another day, another day. And how old are you? And I'm sure you want to be healthy and you want to live as long as possible. I'm sure all of us do that. That's why we see doctors. Right? We want to live as long as possible. So we need a purpose to ensure that we will not be like someone who light the flame and we burn brightly only for a moment and then after that everything is darkness. We cannot sustain. We cannot persevere and hold on and remain steadfast and movable all the days of our lives. And so we have to have a purpose so that when we serve the Lord and watch, we do so with a purpose in mind, not aimlessly. Just watch, be holy, what is the purpose? And so in this passage, you have the purpose of imminence given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we understand what imminence means, right? Something that will happen very, very suddenly. When you least expect it. Why did Jesus do that? Well, he told us very clearly in verse 1, that you have no need that I write unto you concerning the times and the seasons. The times and the seasons basically means you do not need to know the exact moment in time, that is the day-date. You don't even need to know the period. So if God were to tell us, for example, it's going to come, I'm going to return 2023 during autumn period. 
This, in, this included here. Jesus said, I won't even want to tell you the period of time, including the precise exact day and date as well. You don't need to know. Now, you and I know that God always revealed to us what is best for us, what is most needful for us. Imagine if you know the season. It's going to be 2023 autumn. Now, you and I know that we are going to be lazy. This is the way of men, including children of God. And so the Lord says, I cannot tell you because you don't need to know. It's not going to help you. It's going to hurt you. And so I'm going to hold it back. I won't reveal anything to you other than the fact that I will certainly return. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Imminency. Now the word know here is head knowledge. Of course, it has to be head knowledge, right? It can't be experiential knowledge because you have not experienced rapture yet. You have not experienced the resurrection yet. So definitely it's doctrine. So when it comes to head knowledge, it's doctrinal. So you know from God's word, God has revealed to us over and over again in many portions of God's word about the certainty of his return. Now the event is going to be the key. Do you trust and believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will return? Now the return of the Lord Jesus Christ must be understood and viewed from a few perspectives. And you need to look at it from a few perspectives for our understanding of imminence. Now we know that when the Lord Jesus Christ returns in this manner, in this context, everything that you do on earth comes to an end as a child of God. Of course, if you are not a believer, you'll be left behind. And so you have to be very, very careful to make sure of your salvation. Don't procrastinate. Because one day, you may come to church and you find that you are alone. No one will be there. No car will be at the car park. But what would you do? All alone. What happened, you may ask. News will flood in from all over the world. Disappearances of fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, all over the world. Parents will go to the bedroom and the son, the daughter will just simply disappear and they will be so frightened, screaming and yelling, thinking that they may have been kidnapped, thinking maybe perhaps they've been taken by aliens, whatever it is, the whole world will be in chaos because the Lord will meet us in the air. So no one will be able to see our disappearance. This is the purpose of the imminence. This is the climax of our salvation. That's why the Lord will take us all home. Remember when Jesus Christ finished his mission, he said, it is finished on the cross. That means what he came to do to be the perfect Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world by offering his perfect body as our sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God was completed the moment he breathed his last breath. And whether it is all sufficient to save us from our sin before God, whereby any sinner were to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior and believe in his heart and confess with his mouth that Jesus Christ died on the cross for his sins, rose from the dead for his justification, is it enough 
sufficient in the eyes of God the Father to wash away all our sins, no matter how heinous our sins are, no matter how many sins we have committed, the Lord God Almighty says yes, because He raised Jesus from the dead. On the third day, He died for our justification. The work of Jesus in saving us is done. But the work of Jesus in saving us in our lives is not completed until glorification, until we are resurrected, until we are raptured, and this body is transformed into the glorified body, and that's why theologians call it, it is the climax of our salvation. And that's why this day of the Lord is so amazing and wonderful when you observe it from the perspective of our individual salvation. But when you observe it from the perspective of evangelism, you must understand that it is the end of the local church witness. The local churches will still be around. But when you study Revelation, that local church that remains is known as the harlot church. The harlot church, the prostitute church of the Antichrist, in other words. Because every truly born-again believer in every local church will be taken away. And every church at that moment in time will be made up of only goats. Right now, it is a combination of sheep and goats. But one day, it will be only goats. And I pray and I hope together with your pastor that there will be none that will be left behind in BPCWA. That's why it is so important that once in a while, if not frequently, we preach the gospel and remind our morning congregation in Pandan. Sunset evening service is usually for gospel purposes and we will always mention the gospel at our sunset gospel hour. But the morning, once in a while, as frequent as possible during these last days, that the more than a thousand people who come week after week, who listen, we do not want any to be left behind. And then if they were left behind and the Lord were to ask them, why? Because no one in Pandan preached to us the gospel in the morning service. We cannot allow them to use that excuse before the Lord. And so we pray and hope that you understand that when the rapture takes place from the perspective of the church witness, your witness is done. Your service as well is done. You will print your last church bulletin. You will attend your final prayer meeting on Tuesday. You will come to the church for the last time. Everything that you do will be ended. That's rapture. And then when you think it in terms of earnestly contending for the faith, fight against temptation, fight against God's enemies, also will come to an end. Now all these things that God wants us to do and we continue to experience on earth, imagine without the doctrine of imminency. We will be slothful in all these areas. But because we know that at any time, this Sunday could be my last Sunday. At any time, this prayer meeting could be my last prayer meeting. And everything that you do, as if it is the last, what will be your attitude? You will give your best. You will definitely not be tired because you will count it a joy and a privilege to be able to do all these things because you know 
that there will be a termination, there will be an expiry date. Like all the things that we buy from every shop, right? almost everything is an expiry date. But sometimes, sadly, we fail to realize that many of the things that we do in church, all the acts of serving, all those ministries that we have, they have an expiring date and that expiration date is in the hand of the Lord Himself. And the Lord says, I don't need you to know when your expiration date is because I want you to have this understanding of imminency so that you will not be weary in well-doing, knowing that if you faint not, you will reap what you will sow one day. But the moment you are weary, how can you be weary and tired of watching? Because it's so long, Lord. It's 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and you just multiply them in terms of months, in terms of days. It numbered in the thousands, Lord. Don't you know how wearisome it can be to watch and watch for thousands of days and hours and minutes? That's tens of thousands of hours and minutes. It's so tiring. You think the Lord doesn't know? That's what the Lord says, live day by day. Did He not teach us that in the Sermon on the Mount? Why do you want to worry about tomorrow? That is enough worry for today as is. Live day by day. And the moment you live day by day, don't worry about tomorrow or the next day. The doctrine of imminency will be the catalyst that will help us, give us the extra oil to keep on burning, to keep on lighting our lives for Christ. Isn't that true? This could very well be your last camp. You never know. As I was walking, waiting for the lunch, they said the lunch was delayed, and so as I was walking, walked up to the beach, and as I was walking back, I was pondering and thinking, what if this was my last camp? So I look at the environment, I look at the campsite, sucking more of the cool, refreshing air, but if this is my last campsite, I better spend it and give my very, very, very best unto the Lord and to God's people. You never know. That's how wonderful the doctrine of imminence is. For when they shall say peace and safety in the world out there, then sudden destruction will come upon them. As travail upon a woman with child, and they shall never escape. The word not there is double negative. And because it is constructed in such a manner, it means they will never even begin to escape. You know, in prohibition, there is usually two types of prohibition. Alright, the first type is, you are doing something, the Lord says, stop. Another prohibition is, you have not done it yet, but don't start. Right, so which prohibition is constructed here in the last part of verse 3? It's the second. They will not even begin to escape. How can they escape the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful God? The world will be plunged into a period of chaos. So much so that every human being will be begging for peace and safety. Now you look at our world today. Is it a world that is going to soon plunge into chaos, 
The economy is in chaos. I do not know about the oil prices in Australia, but in Singapore, it's extremely expensive. And I don't know how Singaporeans can still afford to buy cars nowadays. Because I just read in the newspaper, you know what a COE, right? Certificate of Entitlement. Just to buy the certificate first from the government to buy a car, that will be good for 10 years. According to the car salesman, they said that by next month, that is this month, July, the certificate of entitlement to buy a car will cross $120,000. Just a piece of paper to buy the car. Now, this is excluding the cost of the car. That to me is crazy. And oil prices are going through the roof. $4 plus per litre. Used to be $2 plus, now it's double because of what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. And then China. They're all stirring the whole world. And not only are we experiencing economic turmoil because of the pandemic, because of the war in Ukraine, then you look at society as a whole. And the whole world is now so intertwined that we cannot get out anymore. No nation can get themselves out. The last big nation to join this web was China when they opened the bamboo curtain and they joined the World Trade Organization. And now we have everything, World Trade, World Health, World so many things. And so the whole world basically is now one big gigantic intertwined village ripe and ready for one man to rule because the mechanism to rule is already in place. And the taste of it is what we have been experiencing through the pandemic. Trace together. You know how powerful this trace together is? In Singapore, I do not know whether you have such a thing here because Australia, like many of these Western countries, they are very individualistic. They do not like to cooperate with authorities very much. But we in Singapore, we are very obedient. Trace together, we'll tell the government, carry on and trace me. It's fine. I have nothing to hide. You want to trace me, you want to let the police know where I am every moment of every day, go ahead. I don't plan to be a criminal. You know where I will travel the moment I walk out of my house, carry on. You know even when I'm in my house, whether I'm now standing in the kitchen or in the living room or in the study, fine, it's okay. Nothing to hide. That's the mechanism traced together. They can check. The moment I walk near to your phone, your phone and my phone will communicate. Right? That's traced together, isn't it? It's all in place. And once the turmoil will get worse and worse, the world will be hungering for peace and safety because we have none of these. We are longing for peace and safety. And then the Antichrist will come. I will guarantee you peace and safety on one condition. You make me your leader. And they say, all right. And so he will be made a leader. And the moment he sits in that wonderful seat and throne of leadership of the whole world, he will change the rules. He will change the laws. Do you know that that's exactly what Hitler did? Hitler 
when he tried to overturn the government, they arrested him and threw him, thrown him into the prison. While he was in prison, he wrote his book, Mankheim. I don't know how to say it in German. And then he thought of this idea. In order for me to become the leader of Germany, I must work within the system. And so by election, he wormed his way into position of power. And once he obtained the power, he will kill and remove everyone that opposes him. And then he began to rule. And you could see what he did when you look at his life and all the documentaries about Second World War. Six million Jews paid for it with, his life, with their lives because of him. And those are the Jews only. Don't, you did not include the gypsies and all the thousands and tens and hundreds of thousands of Germans who worship him and gave their life. And then the Allies also have so many perished because of the Second World War. This man followed what the Antichrist will one day do. That's why they are called small a Antichrist. They're already in the world. Open your eyes to see. The methods of the Antichrist are already in place. That's why the imminency is so needful for us to have a purpose in our watching. To sustain decades of watching to the very end and do it one day at a time so that you will not be weary. You will not be weary because it can be very, very tiresome. You know, in our national service, one of the duties that very, very few of us like to do is to stand as a sentry on guard during guard duty. During guard duty, there are many different types of guard duty. You can patrol the parameters of the camp. At least I'm walking around together with my buddy, with our rifle. At least we can walk and if we're tired, we can stop, we can chit-chat, we can look at the stars, we can do this and do that. Very few would like to accept when they are on duty to guard the main entrance, a sentry. What do you do? You basically stand there and do nothing, especially after 10 p.m. when everyone has really returned back to camp. And you just stand there and you just simply let the mosquitoes bite you. And you can't go to sleep. You can't go in. You've got to stand there with a rifle and just do nothing. Just stand there until sunrises until two hours, three hours later, another sentry will come and replace you so that you can have some sleep. Do that for how many years, Lord? 30 years, 40 years? Like a Pompey sentinel? That's what the Lord says. Imminent. Don't think that you have 30 years. Don't think that you have even 10 days, 30 days. You just have today. You just be watchful for today. Because I could come at any time. And I do not want you to be caught sleeping. That's why the purpose of imminence is very, very good for all of God's children. To give us that additional oil to stay on course and to remain faithful. And the second purpose that we see from verse 4 and verse 5 is the purpose of separation. It's going to separate those who are not interested, God says, if you don't want to watch, God says, you belong to darkness, brethren. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief, like as a thief, to be caught sleeping. 
imminence and separation, they are all linked. If you are caught sleeping, what makes you think that you are a Christian? Jesus says very clearly, the people who are in darkness, they will be overtaken by the thief. They will not be ready. They don't care. If a thief were to tell you, I'm coming to break into your house, unless you don't care for everyone in the house, unless you don't care for anything that is of value in your house, if your house is full of junk, and you have no loved ones, no children, no family in that house. And then when the thief says, I'm coming and I'm going to rob you, I'm going to steal from you. Then you will say to the thief, carry on. I have everything that is of worthless, no value in my house. Come, the door is open. You think Christianity is like that? You think the souls of men and women and children worthless? You think that? Then don't watch. Don't be bothered. To an unbeliever, that will be their conclusion. Because they are in darkness. Their eyes are blind. They are dead in sin. That's the meaning of children of darkness. And when the day comes, they are going to be overtaken. Because they are so busy in carnal things. What kind of carnal things? Getting married. Marrying and giving in marriage, right? Did the Bible not tell us that? The Lord Himself warned us before my return, it would be like the days of Noah. And what were the people doing in the days of Noah? Enjoying life. Everything as it were, just as per normal. The devil doesn't want us to tell the world the Lord is returning soon. Do you know that the world is being lulled into a false sense of? safety and security by the devil and if you and I do not let the world know by your desire for imminence to let the Lord not catch you sleeping you have to be very alert to give to your friends and loved ones an alternate perspective of life the devil is very good and very clever in lulling, lulling the people into a false sense of hope and security, teaching them that a definition of a successful life is measured by the abundance of your possessions. When the Bible tells us, Jesus taught us that the moment you become a Christian, you must now stop measuring yourself by the abundance of what you possess. Is the world's measurement of a successful life not measured by the abundance of what you possess? When our children were in primary six in Singapore, we have the PSLE exam. All three of our children, all three schools, and they were in three different schools. Oh no, primary school the same, secondary school different, beg your pardon. The teacher will ask us to sign a piece of paper, which we refuse on all three occasions. Whereby we have to sign to give them authority to take from our children's EduSafe funds. Where the school will subsidize and pay for an outsider who will come and prepare our children to pass the PSLE exam in, with flying colors. And they will get people whose reputation is so and so became a multi millionaire before he became 30. 
And he will share with you his trade secret, how he succeeded so marvelously in becoming a multi-millionaire before he turned 30. And that was the enticement. And so we refused to sign. And so, of course, the teacher will call us up. Why? We subsidize. If your child doesn't attend, the child will have to sit in the library. So we have to explain to all our three children one by one when they arrive at the age of 12 to take the PSLE exam to explain to them why we cannot sign. They will be the only one in the whole class. And so the friends will ask and they have to tell their friends the reason why they will not be attending. So the teacher will call up, all three of them, different teachers call up. We say the same thing. I'm a pastor and we have been teaching and training our children from the moment they entered kindergarten. A successful life is not measured by material things. It's measured by their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And for us to sign this document to attend such a course based upon these people. I searched on the web what their philosophy of their company is, is basically making money. This goes 100% against what we have been teaching our children since they were in kindergarten and therefore we cannot sign. We have to say this three times because this is the way of the world, isn't it? Are you doing the same? Are you doing the same thing? Because the moment you face and push your children toward carnality, this is the way to go. And you study and you study and you work hard for your home and for your money and for everything material. And then the Lord suddenly returns. And you have not attended worship properly. You have not attended prayer meeting. Christianity is an appendix in your life. Only when you are free, you attend. Verse 4 describe you. And the Lord says, You have been overtaken. Do you want that? Or are you someone that the Lord described in verse 5? Ye are all the children of light. Where your eyes have been opened, you see the world for what it really is. Not your home. A place of battlefield for the souls of men, women and children who are now gripped and their minds are blinded by the God of this world so that they will not want to believe in the gospel. And you are left behind, sent by the Lord Jesus Christ into all your respective worlds. Your world, your home, your offices, your friends, your relatives. That's your world. You can't save the whole world out there. And God doesn't expect you to. We don't have that kind of influence. But at least in our world, the world would be the people that God has brought into your life. You are to be a light to them. To let them see and understand that there is an alternate way other than what they have gleaned and learned and experienced from the God of this world, which they are ignorant of. They have been lulled by the God of this world into a false sense of safety and, a, and a security because of the material possessions that they own. You are very safe because you are a multi-billionaire. If you were to spend a million dollars a day, it won't even dent your multi-billion dollar safety house in your bank account and all your assets. And so they feel very safe, they feel very good. And that's why multi-millionaire, when they walk into churches, they always walk with their head held high. 
with the idea and notion that the church needs them, God needs them more than they need God. Isn't that what we see in the world today? In all these news about multi-billionaire like Elon Musk, his face is always somewhere in the news. The richest man in the world, is he not? What is so great? As far as the world is concerned, he is very, very great with his electric cars and so on and so forth, outer space travel, all these ideas. And the world just jump into the bandwagon and they continue to aim in that direction, not knowing that the moment the Lord returns, everything just comes to naught. Literally, everything comes to naught. The moment you are raptured, the Antichrist will take over everything. Everything that Elon Musk owns will be under the control of the Antichrist. If he doesn't submit himself to the Antichrist, unless he's the Antichrist, then he will own everything. If he's not, everything will be under him. Without the mark of the beast, he can't buy or sell. That's how powerful the Antichrist is. He controls everything. Every bank account in the world will overnight be controlled, taken over by him. You and I know that there are some criminals. They stole so much money from certain banks and so on. You know governments can freeze their assets, right? Their credit cards suddenly became useless overnight. Their ATM card can't draw any more money. Every cent they own in any bank, frozen. That's it. They can do that to any one of us. Imagine the system is already in place. If you can do that to one, what makes you think they cannot do it to a billion or more? It's already there. And so if you think that you can own, you own nothing. He's going to own you. Have you not been told that by the Lord? Have you not seen? Have your eyes not been opened? We are not of the night, not of darkness. The return of the Lord Jesus Christ will separate us. Sheep and goat, wheat and tares. Please understand the urgency to make sure of your salvation and don't procrastinate. You don't even have tomorrow. That's why it is so important for us to make sure of your salvation. Don't procrastinate. Because the consequence, the penalty is so frightening. When you remain behind, please give to your world an alternate voice. Let them know that it is God's voice. Tell them the Bible. Let them know they can have another life that is in Christ rather than the life that is in Mammon. Let them know that there is another death. They don't need to die in sin. They can die in Christ. Let them know that there is a hope that is eternal, that is powerful enough to overcome death. There is a hope that goes beyond this life. Because the hope that the world offers them will end with death. That's why the Lord wants you and me to watch. The whole world depends upon you, children of light. And if you ignore and you do not want to watch, you behave like children of darkness, please check your salvation. And if you are truly born again, would you deliberately live in darkness to send all your friends and relatives who are in sin you deliberately want to live in darkness to send them to hell? Knowing that that's where they're going to end up if they do not believe in Jesus of the Bible. Do you know that? 
And when I looked at many of your children, if the Lord tarries, at that particular age, they cannot know Jesus Christ yet. Very soon, they will be old enough to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you, as faithful, loving mom and dad to your children, share with them Jesus Christ as soon as possible? The moment they know how to speak, the moment they understand, you should tell them about Jesus already, because Jesus has encouraged us, of such is the kingdom of heaven. Because at this age, they believe everything mom and dad say. So why do you think they will not believe when you tell them about Jesus? Don't listen to all this foolish talk. Well, when they grow up, let them decide on their own. That's how I regard parenting. Let them decide on their own. You are right to let them decide on their own if they are born neutral. Your children are not born neutral. Your children are born in sin with the sinful nature, which means they have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life in them already. In other words, the moment they cross the line into the age of accountability, whereby they know the difference between right and wrong, now their will is awakened to the lust, to the pride. And now they're already predisposed to listen to the voice of the God of this world. Do you know that? And then now you say, well, keep quiet, let them choose, choose what? The only voice they hear is the devil. That's not a choice. One choice is not a choice, isn't it? Right? How, how to choose when you only give me one choice? The meaning of the word choice means at least two, isn't it? And therefore, you did not tell your children about Jesus Christ because of your silence and their predisposition to hear the voice of the devil. Should you be shocked that when they turn 18, they become worldly, carnal, and they love the world? Because you did not do your duty as children of light when you are supposed to, unless you are not children of light, but in darkness. We are children of the day, when we do everything openly, in transparency and in honesty, nothing to hide, for Jesus' sake. Let them see and let them know that there is a God who continues to love them in Christ Jesus. That's why the purpose of separation, you got to show the world that there is a choice out there. That's why the Lord says, I don't return yet. You think he could not return at any time? Which is true, what? Jesus Christ is now what? Waiting for him to become more and more powerful? Is he waiting for the devil to weaken? He could return any time. He revealed to us in Revelation 19 what he will do to this earth when he returns. He just speak a word and everyone will die. That's it. You think Christ is what? Weak? He's just waiting, resting so that he can get enough energy and power to return? Why is he waiting? Ask yourself that. He's waiting so that more could be saved so that you and I can have the honor and the privilege to serve him to be a holy witness for him that's why he says stop sleeping wake up and remain awake and the purpose of you remaining awake is number one I give you the doctrine of imminency so that you don't have to worry about whether you can remain awake for 10 20 years you just remain awake one day at a time because I could come at any time, any day. So you just do it one day at a time faithfully. Don't try to, well, I want to be watchful for the next 30 years. The moment you think of 30 years to be watchful, you collapse. 
how to carry a weight of watchfulness for 30 years and see, well, Lord, I don't sleep for 30 years. How to do that? Just one day. The moment you reduce it to one day, it's so manageable with the help of God, easily. And you do that. Be the best father at home, the best mother at home to your child, day by day. Let your child see Christ in you. Let your brothers and sisters in Christ see Christ in you one Sunday at a time. One day at a time, one Sunday at a time as you serve the Lord. And the purpose of separation, the world needs you. God gave you the honour and privilege to be the mouth of Christ, the hands of Jesus and the feet of Jesus. If Jesus were to walk here in this camp, he would be doing all these, the preaching, the teaching. But he now gave this honour and privilege to weak sinners saved by grace like ourselves. You know, as I was reading about the purpose, then I read a saying of Spurgeon. You know Spurgeon, he's not perfect, but he's an amazing man. You know what his perspective of preaching is like? He says this, I cannot help feeling that the man who preaches the Word of God is standing not on a mere platform, but on a throne. We cannot play at preaching. We preach for eternity. Life, death, hell, and works unknown hang on the preaching and hearing of a sermon. Do you know that? You look at modern day preachers. They don't dress properly. They wear jeans and t-shirt. They wear on this clip-on mic and they just walk back and forth as if this is some kind of a, what, seminar. The reverential attitude that we need to have is lost. When you stand in front holding the Bible, Sunday school teacher, preachers all alike, when you gather for Bible study, please understand that each and every one of you, when you open your mouth to teach God's Word, you are seated standing on a throne speaking in place of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please study hard and work hard and let the world know that the voice of God Almighty and the Lord Jesus Christ is not silent. That's what the purpose of separation. Let them know that there is a difference. You as children of God are children of light in the midst of people in spiritual deadness and darkness. But if you don't watch, you become carnal, you behave like them, then there is no separation. The world will just see, oh, you are like me, I am like you. No big difference. Let them see that there is a separation. There's a difference between children of God and the children of the devil. And your watching means you remain in holiness is the key. Let them see that you are strangers and sojourners living in Australia. This world is not your home. Don't live and think as if it is your home. This place is not your home, right? You all brought your suitcases. When you look around you, look at the room, do you feel as if you own any of the pieces of the furniture? Very soon, when the camp ends, you're going to go home. Can you just continue to hold on to this feeling that when you live in this place, it's not your home? Carry on this feeling back into your own home. So that you will know that your real home is in heaven. Can you hold on to this feeling that you have now experienced from Sunday evening till now? 
It's not your home. You know that, right? Carry this feeling when you go back home on Thursday. Live as a stranger and a sojourner. And let the friends and colleagues and school friends, whoever that you meet, give them a difference. And finally, be sober. Let your mind be absolutely clear. Do not let it be clouded by any philosophies and ideas of the world. The purpose of sobriety. If your mind is not clear, is not sharp, you cannot be watchful. No matter how desirous you are to be vigilant and diligent, you're going to be wayward. Verse 6, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Now, the word watch is the same word, Gregory. Wake up, don't go back to sleep again and be clear-minded because the word be sober means abstain from alcohol. That's why I chose the word sobriety. The purpose of a very sharp and clear mind. Now, this is in the spiritual sense. You have seen and observed enough of what happened when a person is drunk. I pray and hope that it is only by observation and it is not by experience. Maybe some of you in your own life before your conversion, you may have experienced what it's like to be drunk. And it is a very sad and tragic experience. Because when you wake up, you cannot remember what you did, you can't remember what you uttered, all the humiliating words and all the shameful behavior, you just simply could not remember unless someone recorded everything and presented to you. And by then, it's too late, isn't it? Why would you want to do that to yourself, even from the world's standard? Apply this into the spiritual realm, where the significance and the consequences is not in terms of losing face and losing your job and losing some money where the significance and the consequences is heaven and hell. Losing the honour and the privilege of living a life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, you live it for the world and for yourself, where your building and your life is deliberately using materials such as wood, hay and stubble to be burnt up, when you know better that it could very easily have been gold, silver, precious stone, when you live for the Lord Jesus Christ, awake in holiness. When you do that, you know you're building a life, your testimony, using gold, silver, precious stone. And when the Lord tests it on the day of judgment by fire, it will remain standing. That's why you have to be sober. How to have a sober mind from a spiritual standpoint? Fill your head with the knowledge of God's Word. That's number one. Because when you go into the world, every time you open your eyes, you turn on your internet, the world will bombard you with their own philosophies and ideas and try to push God's word and God's knowledge out of your brain. And that battle will be non-stop until you die. Because we cannot not be in the world and be bombarded by all these philosophies and ideas of the world. And they come from every direction. Sometimes they come from your friends, sometimes they come from church members, sometimes they come from your children, come from mom and dad news, whatever you read, all kinds of ideas and notions that will try to push out what you learn from God's Word and they're going to force their way back into the mind of Christ that God gives to you. And the moment you let them in, you're no longer sober, you're no longer clear-minded, you get confused. And very often, the people who will be the casualty are the people in the pews. 
the doctrine of the perfect Bible. I know you may have heard it many times. Please allow me to mention it again. They say that it is a minor doctrine. If it's minor, why do they want to take FEBC to court? Just let us preach it and teach it, you keep quiet. Why right? if it's minor? Their words say minor, but their actions say it is very major. That's deception. Number two, they say that, well, I'm on your side because I believe in the Word of God is perfect and inspiration, but it's not perfect in preservation. They are now speaking with the tongue of a serpent. Fork tongue, right? Inspiration, I believe. Preservation, I don't believe. How do we know that inspiration is real? That once upon a time, God gave us a perfect Bible. The reason we know that once upon a time, God gave us a perfect Bible is because today we still have the perfect Bible. That's why you cannot believe in inspiration without preservation. The anchor and foundation of inspiration is preservation. But they lie again. Very deceptive. The congregation members are the ones who will be confused. Unclear. Not sober. Are you confused? It's a very simple doctrine. And then they add more fuel to it and turn it into an English-speaking, Chinese-speaking argument. We are talking about Hebrew, Aramaic and Greek. We're not talking about the King James Bible. It's not English-speaking Christian versus Chinese-speaking Christian. You see again? They muddy the water to confuse. Making it, well, it's so complicated. It's not complicated. God is perfect. Every word he speaks is perfect. God inspired and gave us a perfect Bible from the very beginning. And the moment inspiration begins, the doctrine of preservation begins as well. And when inspiration completed, doctrine of preservation continues. That's why we still have the perfect Bible today, even though God said, I finished my inspiration with the last verse of Revelation chapter 22. Very simple. And it's all about Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek Bible. The original languages, nothing to do with King James or Mandarin or Korean or Swahili or whatever language. They muddy the water. Is your mind sharp and clear enough to understand? Or is it so confused like that of a drunkard? That's the gender of the evil one. But the more you understand God's truth, the more difficult it is for the enemy to confuse you, to make you drunk, make you all so confused until you, I don't know what to do. That's like a drunkard. Don't know what to do anymore. Don't know what is right and wrong. Don't know whether what is up or down. That's the spiritual drunkenness, confusion. That's why the purpose of sobriety is so important because the devil will never stop trying to get you confused. That's why it is so important to keep on preaching, keep on teaching, keep on preaching, keep on teaching, and you're going to keep on studying. We forget. That's number one. So we're going to keep on studying to remember. Right? Why do you think when your pastor preach, he keeps on repeating himself? You know that, right? Repetition is the best way to help you remember. He keeps repeating his points, you know, do you notice that? That is the reason why. If he just mentioned his main points once, you probably won't remember. But he repeated again and again and again, again and again and again, at least four or five times. So that you will not forget. It's to help you. Because the moment the devil continues to bombard you, you will forget. Why do you think so many 
mature, so-called mature believers, they fall by the wayside. They fail to remain sober in their mind, in the clarity of Christianity, in the clarity of doctrine, in the clarity of their existence, why they are here on earth. And they forget. They think they're here on earth to enjoy life. You're here on earth to bring a family. No. These are all the avenues whereby God put in your care to help you trust the Lord Jesus Christ more, to serve Him. The main purpose and goal is always the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget that. Parents are actually redundant in bringing up children. Do you know that? The moment your children become Christians, they have God as their Heavenly Father. You just basically serve yourself out of the job of parenting. True? Right? Once they become God's children, God the Father will take care of them. God can use you or God can don't need to use you. And very often, sometimes, parents can do more harm to their own children's faith. Don't you agree? Especially if you are wayward. Because we are far from perfect. One of the many regrets of parenting is I can remember all my big boo-boos, my big blunders in bringing up children. I can't forget them. And sometimes when I remember them, I say to my children, I'm sorry, Dad is so sorry for doing this and doing that. They say, Dad, never mind, Dad, it's okay. Of course, they keep encouraging me. But I can't forget as a parent. Stressed by ministry, come back, take it out on my children, lose my temper, scold at the child for no reason. That the child just stand there, let me scold and cry. My child, my daughter was only four or five years old. Scolded her. And pride won't let me apologize and say sorry to her. Until that night when we did devotion, we read from a book, a Christian book for children. And it so happened, the story was the father scolding the child without a reason. <laughs> and so as I was reading and reading, I said, yeah, this is me, you know. I still, pride won't let me say sorry. And then as I was reading and reading just between the daughter and me, she was lying in bed, I was reading to her. Then she started to say, cry, tears. I said, Dad, that's you. I said, yes, I know that's me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forgive Daddy. I'm so sorry for scolding you without a reason. Daddy is wrong. You see, the Lord is so merciful. The Lord presented me with a wonderful, wonderful, inescapable opportunity to apologize. See the pride. You see? Sometimes we think that as long as the child has a parent, it will be good. You think so? You know how many children have been stumbled by moms and dads? Do you know that? Because we are not sober. We allow the impact and the effects of the world to cloud our mind, the mind of Christ that God gives to us. And sometimes we are so tired and lazy in studying God's Word. Even though God equips us with the mind of Christ, we are so slow in filling it with the knowledge of Christ, which is the study of God's Word, right? What is your Bible study program like? Pray tell. Before the Lord. Don't tell me. Before the Lord. Do you know the Word of God better now than in January this year? Based upon your personal study. Do you have a personal study of God's Word so that you are now filling the mind of Christ that God blessed you with when you were born again with His knowledge? So that when you are asked by your children, 
Mom, Dad, this question, you can answer it. Mom, Dad, why is tongue speaking wrong? Can you show me from the Bible why the charismatic tongue speaking is unbiblical? They say that it is from Acts 2, Pentecost. Can you please explain to me, Mom, Dad? Do you know how? You do not? Have you taken steps to find out how? Because these are real current issues that your children may be exposed to. Is it not better to preempt it, prepare them before they are bombarded by it in their school or in their, when they meet up with their friends? By then, you have to undo something. Why don't you have prevention better than cure? Teach them in advance first, knowing full well that it's only a matter of time where your son, your daughter is going to meet some of them. Because they're everywhere, right? There are more of them than us. So do you know how to teach them? Do you know where all the Bible verses that you can go to that talks about tongues? Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. These are the, all the Bible passages that you need to know very well to help your child. Have you studied them? Know them well enough. Don't have to know them 100% because it's impossible for any one of us to know them comprehensively. That's the amazing thing about God's Word. You can study it a million times, and then when you study it in a million and one time, you still learn some new things. That's the amazing thing about God's Word. But at least you know enough to protect your child. From so many of these issues, they're going to meet a Roman Catholic who also call themselves Christians. Do you know the Achilles heel? What is wrong with Roman Catholicism? Because they believe in every aspect of our gospel, but they add to it. And what are the things they add? Are you going to teach your child and prepare them before you send them into the world and expose them to all these false Christianities? Be clear-minded. So that you will know where you are going, what you are doing, when you watch. When your mind is not clear, or you want to watch, how? What are you going to do? You don't know enough to be watchful. You don't even know enough to help your child. Then how to watch? You can't protect them. You don't know how to guard them. You don't know how to keep them safe. Because you don't know enough. Your mind is not clear enough. But they that sleep, sleep in the night. They be drunken, they be drunken in the night. Because that's what night will do. This is when all these evil people will come out. Applied it in the spiritual sense. The spiritual darkness is all around us, especially within Christianity in the last days. But let us who are of the day be sober. Repetition for emphasis. Same words, same phrase, same impact. Put on the breastplate of faith and love, your own faith, agape love. And for your helmet, hope of salvation. Make sure of your own doctrine. Focus on the return of Christ where heaven is going to be your home. Make sure you know that and know that well. Breastplate protect your heart. Let it be faith and love. Without faith, impossible to please God. Anything that is not done in faith is sin. Faith, you know what it means, right? Directly related to God's Word. Faith means believe in what God's Word says. You can't believe in anything that you do not know of. That's why study God's Word is so critical and so important. So that your faith will be deepened and strengthened and then make sure your motive is always love. This morning's message as well. Love of Christ, agape love. So that you will not end up bitter and indulge in self-pity. You become worthless when that happens. That's why do everything constrained by the love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that will keep you steady and strong 
And with these three purposes in watching, imminence, separation. The world needs you to show them that there is an alternative. The imminence will keep us on our toes all the time for Jesus' sake. And then sobriety. Be clear-minded. Fill your head with the knowledge of God's Word and your heart with the love of Christ so that you will be a blessing to everyone who comes into your life because you know how to advise them, you know how to counsel them, you know how to explain to them from God's Word, God's perspective of life and issues because you have been changed and transformed. I'd like to read to you or share with you some changes in some Bible characters. Peter often was a sandpile, a loudmouth, a man who had denied even knowing the one who had loved him most. But Peter the sandpile ultimately became the rock who would not move in his dedication to the cause of Christ, even in the face of death. Now remember, Peter was already born again when he denied the Lord three times. So the Lord understands when you were, are weak or you have been weak, that the Lord strengthened Peter. Zacchaeus was a rich little man who had to climb a tree to get a glimpse of Jesus. It was he who offered to extort taxes from his own people for the Roman authorities so that he could get a kickback from the tick. But Zacchaeus, when converted, the wicked tax collector became a champion of the poor. Whenever his life and testimony is studied, it becomes an encouragement that even the very rich, God can show mercy and save. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. The Apostle James and John were mama's boys and pretty ridiculous at times. One such time was when they wanted to destroy a whole town because they had received a poor reception there. Mary Magdalene, the woman of the streets, became the woman who stood weeping outside the tomb of Jesus. The apostles James and John, Mama's boy, became Christ's men, proclaiming the good news of God's unconditional love with wisdom and strength. Doubting Thomas was an all-star bullhead, very stubborn, no faith. But Doubting Thomas, the all-star bullhead, became an all-star believer in the resurrection power of God. The thief who was hung, crucified next to Christ, was a convicted criminal. But once he was born again, he became an instant saint. And every time you study what happened, you are encouraged that even those who came to know Christ at the last moment could be saved to the fullest. Each and every one of them walked on earth, they met the Lord Jesus Christ, their lives were transformed. Has that changed? No. Have you been transformed? The purpose of watching, do not see it as a burden or a chore, but as an honour and a privilege given to us by the Son of God, the King, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And do it with joy, with courage, with gladness, always constrained by your love for him and the purpose is that the world needs you the lord jesus christ gave you the honor do not fail him the world is in darkness the world is dying in sin hell awaits them do you not see the weight of your responsibility 
when you look into the eyes of everyone who is not born again, would you begin with the eyes of your own children? Tonight, as they lay in bed asleep, they look so cute and so wonderful and so harmless and helpless. But they need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and as Saviour. They need you to be watchful. They need you to be purposeful in your watchfulness so that you will not be weary in well-doing, in pointing your son, your daughter to Christ. And don't let the world cloud your mind and steer you away from the path of holiness and your responsibility as a godly parent and a godly friend and a godly employee or employer wherever the Lord has placed you. Have a purpose that comes from heaven and don't you dare to replace it with a carnal one that originates from this earth. The warning is, you are children of light and children of the day and not of darkness. So don't be caught wanting when the Lord returns and be left behind. Let us pray.